Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Now, of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful for all your horror pop culture needs. They're just wrapping up the Pride Month stuff, so go check out that if it interests you at all. And it's great reading while you're listening to this episode, so I highly suggest checking it out right now. Now, today's episode is one that I've fought with for a very long time. Not because it's controversial or because it's anything out of the ordinary for a topic that I might cover, but because it's such a popular myth, such a popular legend that I think it's been covered by every podcast, whether they do video games, movies, dark history, true crime, whatever. They've talked about this at least once in their history, and that would be the mystery of Roanoke. Now, this took place back in the 1500s at the dawn of the New World. And it's such a mystery that, well, it hasn't really been discovered what actually happened there. This is the story of Roanoke. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. I didn't plan on doing Roanoke today. But that all changed when, in my news feed, an updated version of what happened at Roanoke popped up. And I'm talking about the little Google feed that shows you different news stories on your phone. I thought it was interesting and I was very curious about it, so I had to click it. It may have been a little clickbaity, as it said, they discovered what happened to the Roanoke colony. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I did some more research on it, and of course this has been covered over and over and over again by countless different sources. But one of the more in-depth and easy-to-digest ones comes from National Geographic. So I'm going to start there. But in case you don't know the backstory of Roanoke, well, it was one of the first colonies founded in the New World by settlers coming over from Europe. And it also was one of the first mysteries of the Americas as well. So let's just get into it. This is from National Geographic. And they say, in this article published in December of 2013, that it's a mystery that has intrigued Americans for centuries what happened to the lost colonies of North Carolina's Roanoke Island. The settlers who arrived in 1587 disappeared in 1590, leaving behind only two clues. The words Croatoan carved into the fort's gatepost and Crow, C-R-O, etched into a tree. Now, there's been countless theories about the disappearances from Native American attacks to them just simply up and moving to supernatural causes such as spirits, entities, anything like that. Most people figured it was a disease that wiped out the colony as the New World offered many new diseases that these people just weren't accustomed to and their bodies couldn't fight off. However, previous digs have turned up very little information and artifacts from the original colonists, and it leads to very little information about what happened to them. Well, that is until 2013, and thanks to technological advances and cover-up on a map, researchers are getting closer to finding out what happened to the lost colony of Roanoke Island. The lost colonists were the third group of English arrivals on the North Carolina's Roanoke Island, settling near the modern-day town of Manteo. The first group to arrive in 1584 came to explore and map the land for future groups, 
A second group, which arrived in 1585, was charged with military and scientific missions. But this second group's trip was far from peaceful. Quote, That's where the tensions began with the local Native American tribes, said Clay Swindell of the Museum of the Albemarle in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. And he's a member of the archaeological team investigating the colony. He says that the second group was driven out in 1586 by local tribes angry that the colonists were taking up good land and resources, and, well, rightfully so. The third group arrived in 1587, and that was more of the settlers. Entire families came with 17 women and 11 children accompanied by a party of 90 men. That meant that the group wanted to settle in the New World, and was not a military excursion, which would have included only male explorers. It wasn't until recently, and by recently I mean in the past decade or so, that a secret map was discovered that could contain clues as to what happened on Roanoke. A clue uncovered in a long-forgotten centuries-old map of the era called La Virginia Pars, drawn by the colony's governor, John White, kicked off a re-examination of the fate of the lost colonists. An artist and employee of Sir Walter Raleigh, White was later appointed governor of the New Lands. He was also the grandfather of Virginia Dare, the first English child born in the New World. Two patches on the map made Brent Lane of the First Colony Foundation, the group behind the latest archaeological trip and whose work is supported by National Geographic and the Wyatt Grants program in Durham, North Carolina, wonder if they might hide something beneath. Scientists at the British Museum looked into patches and discovered tiny red and blue symbols. Now, it could have meant anything, nobody really knew, but it could have also been for a sort of secret emergency location. Maybe a fort. Eric Klinghoffer of Mercer University said, Our best idea is that parts of Raleigh's exploration in North America were a state secret, and the map cover-up was an effort to keep information from the public and foreign agents. Most researchers think the colonists likely encountered disease caused by New World microbes that their body had never encountered before, or violence. The research team thinks that when the crisis, whatever it was, hit, the colonists split up into smaller groups and dispersed. It's a good strategy, Klinghoffer said, explaining that previous groups from 1585 had been ordered to do so if disaster struck. Quote, We don't definitively know that they do, but it's obvious that that's the only way they could have survived. No single Indian tribe or village could have supported them. They would have been even larger than some villages. I mean, they were over a hundred people. And that's touching on the theory that the colonists joined or assimilated into the Native American tribes that were there because either they were starving or dying or something and they needed the support, so they decided to do the whole one in Rome thing and kind of break off and join the Native American tribes. The prevailing theory has been that colonists abandoned Roanoke, traveled 50 miles south to Hatteras Island, which was then known as Croatoan Island. But Klinghoffer said, what if they went in another direction? What if some of the colonists traveled west via the Albemarle Sound to the mouth of the Croan River, to a protected inlet occupied by sympathetic tribes? Furthermore, archaeologists have defined the nearby site of a small Native American town named Mataquem, which may have adopted some of the colonists. 
Klinghoffer said that while researchers don't know much about the Native American town and its inhabitants, its existence has been verified. Quote, it's a very strategic place, right at the end of the Albemarle Sound. You can go up north to the Chowan River, or Virginia, or west to the Blue Ridge. They were big trading partners with other American tribes. End quote. After the map's secret was revealed, Klinghoffer, along with the First Colony Foundation, which studies the first attempts at colonization in the New World, proposed a return trip to the area with a twist. This time, shovels would have 21st century helpers, like magnometers and ground-penetrating radar. Malcolm Lecomte, a research associate at the Elizabeth City State University in North Carolina, was responsible for the addition of the GPR, or the ground-penetrating radar, in the archaeological search for what happened to the lost colonists of Roanoke. The process began earlier this year with a satellite survey of the site. Remember, this is back in 2013. And we're leading up to the current article, which I will get to, I promise. Quote, What we do is get the oldest map we can find, so we can get a historic sense of what there was there and what's there now, and to orient them. The point was to compare what may have been there in the past to what is there now. Researchers look for similarities between the old maps and the current geography of the area. Once they identify where the spots on the map correspond with today's landscape, a painstaking process of laying out a grid and systematically searching it with their GPRs ensues. The technology emits radio waves into the ground and measures the echo as the signal bounces off various things buried underground. Essentially, it measures the depths that signals travel before hitting something that causes it to bounce back. In other words, signals potentially indicate a hidden underground object. Metal objects like the iron cannons that have been found on the site act like giant antennas. Graves and coffins are also detectable, because they contain voids with different densities and poorer conductivity than the surrounding soil. Lecomte and his colleagues found a previously undetected pattern that may indicate the presence of one or more structures, possibly made of wood, under about three feet of soil. He said, I don't know if it's one or a group of structures, adding that they could be joined or they could be close together. Perhaps the wood of these structures collapsed over time, leaving impressions in the soil, Lecomte speculated. Some have suggested using more sensitive equipment than a metal detector, such as a proton magnometer, could enable these findings to be double-checked and verified with more accuracy. Despite all the modern technologies that we have now to discover what may have happened back then, it's important to take into account the political climate back when the colonization was taking place, and the relations with the Native Americans at the time were very mixed. Roanoke was geographically located in the crux of socio-political friction between the Secatan, who held sway over Roanoke, and the Choanoke, who controlled the nearby waterways. Tensions were especially high between the colonists and the Secatan tribe. Quote, There is no doubt that there was a lot of hostility, Klinghoffer said, not all the tribes were hostile, but some of them were. They felt imposed upon. There was fighting between the two groups, both among the tribes and between some of the native people and the English settlers. It didn't help that the English attempted to explore the area multiple times. The group that arrived prior to the lost colonists were driven back to England, which meant when the ill-fated third group of colonists showed up, some sour feelings obviously remained. It would not surprise me that the second hand would want to be done 
and get rid of the English, Swindell said. Whether groups of second hand banded together to rid themselves of what they saw as interlopers is anyone's guess. The area does seem to hold clues to contact between local tribes and European colonists in the 16th and 17th century. Swindell went on to say, we have to go in and dig some holes, I guess. It's the most practical way of finding the answers to this age-old American mystery. Now remember, that was from 2013. So what have we had happen in the last six, seven years? Well, the website called allthatsinteresting.com, a site that I've used before, has a follow-up which was published just a few days ago. And they go on to describe the Roanoke colonies and what happened to them and what might have just been discovered to prove the final pieces to this puzzle. Besides just recapping what happened, it goes on to explore some modern discoveries. Now, according to the Outer Banks, Scott Dawson is particularly suited to investigate what happened to the colony of Roanoke. He's not only an island native whose family's roots go back to the 1600s, but an experienced archaeologist who serves as president of the Croatoan Archaeological Society, a group exclusively dedicated to the historical incident. His new book, The Lost Colony of Hatteras Island, posits that the lost colony was never really lost. There was simply not enough archaeological evidence to back up the most rational theory about what happened to Roanoke until now. And remember, this is just a couple of days old, so you're getting kind of fresh news here. According to the Heritage Daily, local volunteers and professional archaeologists began excavations on Hatteras Island in 2009. And remember, Hatteras used to be called Croatoan. They discovered copper rings, sword handles, earrings, writing slates, and glass dating to the 16th century and traced to England. Quote, as much as I believed the colony went down to Hatteras, I never actually thought we were going to find it. I can't believe we found what we found. It's kind of surreal, said Dawson. Professor Mark Horton, who helped Dawson in the excavations, explained that the Roanoke mystery was likely a natural dispersion. Quote, when these colonies became abandoned, you get massive political eruptions and disagreements and people walking out and things, he said. So it's not unlikely that one group might have gone up to Chesapeake, up to Albemarle. But I'm pretty sure one group, at least, probably the pretty substantial part, came to Hatteras Island. These experts believe they've finally found the quote-unquote survivor's camp on Hatteras, where the colonists settled before assimilating with the American tribes, whom Horton believes were friendly. It was a good place, where one's allies in a place where you could potentially be rescued. The research made a giant leap in 2013, as we just discussed, when experts dug through the layers of dirt in the old Native American villages like Buxton, Frisco, and Hatteras, and found evidence that colonists had settled on the latter. Quote, We not only found evidence of mixed architecture of houses, but also metallurgy, where they had blacksmith shops and were also working in copper and lead. And this continued right on into the 1600s, said Dawson. He continued with, it's hard to say how many, but a few dozen at least lived for a few decades down there in the villages and continued to work in metals. They found several gun parts, which were mixed and matched with pieces from other guns, as the stranded settlers couldn't procure new parts. Earrings and wires were turned into fishhooks, and many of their objects were repurposed for more practical uses. To understand how remarkable this recent discovery, spanning thousands of Roanoke artifacts really is, look 400 years back in time when the mystery began. 
and a little bit more in-depth information about the history of Roanoke. Famed British explorer Sir Walter Raleigh tried to establish the first permanent English colony in North America long before Jamestown in 1585. When his first attempt ended in failure, Raleigh tried again two years later in Roanoke, seemingly succeeding for at least three years. Raleigh had approved a corporate charter to found the City of Raleigh on Roanoke Island in 1587. About 115 English men, women, and children agreed to join. Most of them were middle-class Londoners, and this was the first voyage that brought women and children along to the New World. Though the August 1587 journey went well, a small group led by Roanoke Colony Governor John White returned to England to gather supplies and found the colony abandoned when he returned in 1590. Now you may wonder why it took him three years to do the round trip. Well, there was a war going on with the Spanish Armada, and the English royals demanded that every available ship be used in the fight against the Spanish Armada. So that explains the three-year absence. When White returned, only one clue was found. The word Croatoan carved into a wooden post. That was all that met White upon his return. The Croatoans were a purportedly friendly tribe that lived on Hatteras Island. Quote, Before John White even left the colony, they were already hand in glove with the Croatoans, said Dawson. So when he told them to write down where they were going, and he saw that message three years later, he didn't say, oh my god, what does this word mean? He well knew. And that's how he knew where they were going to be as well. However, despite this clear clue, it would take 400 years until archaeologists could trace the settlers at Roanoke back to Hatteras Island. Before this investigation, Dawson was frustrated that nobody had investigated Hatteras Island before to uncover what happened to Roanoke. Quote, I saw a lot of artifacts coming up when people were building houses or something from erosion from storms. It gutted me to see that no one was doing anything about it. That's another quote from Dawson. So he formed the Croatoan Archaeological Society and vowed to find evidence of the colonists on Hatteras. He believed that colonists didn't even know they were lost. They simply relocated while awaiting the return of troops with new supplies. In another quote from Dawson, he said, We don't get this kind of lost mythology until the Lost Colony play production at Waterside Theatre that started in the 30s. That's the first time anybody referred to them as lost. They didn't make a play about a mystery. They created a mystery with a play. As it stands, Dawson and his team hope to investigate what happened to the Roanoke Colony further. But until the global pandemic of COVID-19 ends, they won't be able to get back out there. It's a very interesting story to follow. And now that there is a dedicated society to figure out what happened, maybe we'll finally understand the mysteries of Roanoke Island. As technology advances, of course, we're going to get more information in the logical sense. But why were they driven out of Roanoke anyway? Was this simply just lack of supplies and they needed somewhere to go, so they went to the Croatoan tribe? It's the most likely scenario. Or was it something a little more sinister? Was there death involved? Was there violence? Was there disease? We may never know for certain. My name is Casey, and this has been the Ominous Origins Podcast. If you like what you heard, feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts that allow reviews. Any five-star reviews left will be read out on the show, so if you want a shout-out, that's the best way to do it. If you want to follow me on social media, you can absolutely do so. On Twitter, at HorrorShotsProd, as in production, Facebook, slash HorrorShots, or Instagram, at Ominous Origins Pod. 
I've also started live streaming again, and I've been streaming some horror games. So if that's something you're interested in, feel free to check out Twitch TV slash Musky Fox. Fox spelled F-A-U-X. Lastly, if you do want to support the show financially, you can do so by grabbing some merch from the Redbubble store, which is in the description below. Thank you once again. Until next week.